are listening to a podcast from Victory Alabang. Jesus will come again to claim us as his own, as king and as judge. Learn more in week three of our series, The King, in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. How many of you are excited to see the Lord Jesus come back in the clouds in, his, in all his glory? Amen. And I believe that is really an awesome sight to see. That is if we are all ready. And so the title of our message this morning is The Returning King. I think there's a movie that came out from Lord of the Rings, right? Return of the King. You know, if I were to, uh, what if, if I were to give you two tickets, two round-trip tickets that are fully paid, good for two weeks, airfare, accommodation, and pocket money, and you will go to this city in Rome or maybe in Santorini or maybe in Venice, Italy or maybe the ultimate city, Paris. Yeah. Paris, France, you know, that's Paris by day, this is Paris by night. How many of you will be excited with that? Okay, some of you are excited. Because probably you're looking at me, Now what if? What if somebody would give you the vacation of a lifetime, two fully paid tickets, round trip, you know, two weeks accommodation? What will you do? I'm pretty sure that we're all going to be excited, right? We're all going to be excited. We're going to be looking forward to that trip. We're going to be studying the city that we're going to be going to. Maybe you're going to be looking at the Google Maps. You're going to be looking at the places of interest. You're going to be studying the culture. You're going to be studying the food. You're going to be studying where's the best place to stay and where's the best you know, uh, places to go in those cities. And I believe that it is something that brings excitement to us. One, because it's free. Secondly, maybe because it's the first time that you're going to be going there. And this actually somehow brings an anticipation in us. And I believe that when you, of course, this, this is kind of like a crude example or analogy in the, in the way we would look forward to the coming of the King. And I believe that all of us, you know, we've been seeing these songs and, you know, we grew up, you know, hearing this, that Jesus is coming back one day, that He rose up from the dead and He is now ascended into heaven, He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But one day, look at the person beside you and tell that person, one day, one day He's coming back. And what is the picture of him coming back to us? And we're going to be talking about that right now as we end this particular series. So if, uh, if I may just go ahead and uh, read this text for us. Once again, I'd like to invite you to stand with me as we give reverence to the Word of God. We're going to be opening uh, to the book, uh, the book of Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19 verses 11 to 16. And you know, this is the same text that uh, the actor, Eko, uh, read a while ago in the video. I'm going to read it again. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called who? Faithful and true. That is his name. With justice, he judges and makes wars. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. 
He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is who? The Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we welcome you as King Jesus here this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that you are rightfully, uh, Lord, taking our our place, Lord God, to, to take the rulership of our hearts. We thank you, Lord God, that even as we uh, celebrate you as king today, we thank you, Lord God, that one day there's going to be a visible and actual physical coming of you, Lord Jesus, in the heavens down to this earth. And so we thank you, Lord God, that you will help us as your people, as your children, to prepare for that day in anticipation, Lord God, and how are we to live our life. And we thank you, Lord God, that it's always going to be bringing us a blessed, ho- blessed hope. We thank you, Lord God, for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. <clears throat> so we are all familiar with this particular event. We've heard of this, that Jesus is coming back one day. And He actually has overcome the world. And I believe that one day that will be the actual fulfillment or what you can say, the consummation of His dominion, His kingdom. When He would actually rule over the nations. And you know nowadays that we have so many different nations. There are I think about 250 plus political nations. And the different nations are actually, you know, sometimes are not in agreement. We have a body called the United Nations, but in reality they're not really united. How many of you would agree with me on that? Just, you know, the, the reference of Pastor Saul a while ago about what's happening in the West Philippine Sea. The reason why we've changed it from South China Sea is because they are claiming that that's there, so we call it our own. West Philippine Sea na to, hindi na South China Sea. But anyway, that particular thing, you know, not only two nations are battling for that particular piece of territory, but I think about four or five different nations are battling for that piece of property. We can see that all nations have their own agendas. All the different kings have their own political uh, platform. But when that day comes, when Jesus Christ would finally come from the heavens to rule over the earth, guess what? There's only going to be one king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the president of presidents. And everybody will be aligning to his dominion. In fact, this is exactly what we are praying for. When Jesus was teaching his disciples what to pray for, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's going to be bringing down his dominion, his rulership, his kingdom here on earth as it is. In heaven. So my question for us today is, what do you feel about the second coming of Christ? I mean, what's the, the feeling there that you have? Is it okay lang? Is it, something, is it something that you really think about every day? Maybe not. 
But in reality, how many of you know that He's coming down from the clouds when nobody knows? Nobody knows. It's going to be a surprise. And how many of you like surprises? Some of us probably would like to have a birthday surprise. Maybe if you're celebrating your 40th birthday or maybe your 50th birthday, you'd like to have some, you know, surprise party. But this is a different kind of a surprise. Maybe the feeling that we'll have that day is excitement or anticipation. Or maybe another kind of feeling would be a feeling of dread and fear because we don't really know what will happen that day. We don't know what to expect. We don't know how He will judge and how He will rule over the nation. And so, when you look at the second coming, the second coming will be a sudden, everybody say sudden. It's sudden, personal, visible, bodily return of Christ on earth. He's not going to come back as a spirit. And the angels, when they were saying in Acts chapter 1, this same Jesus that you saw taken up to heaven will return again in the same way. And how was, we, how was He taken up into heaven? He actually was taken up in His resurrected body. Do you remember the story? When he walked into the room, the upper room, remember that? We were talking about that. He was already having this resurrected body. And in the same way, he's going to come back with an actual physical resurrected body, not a spirit. And we're going to be just like him. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you're going to be more beautiful on that day. No more pimples. No more wrinkles. No more Botox. <laughs> no more hair dyes. <laughs> but an actual resurrected body. Another thing about this return is no one knows. Everybody say, no one knows. That's why don't ever try to predict anymore when it's going to be coming. Somebody once tried to do that. 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988. Obviously, he missed it, right? The next year, he wrote another book, 89 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1989. He missed it again. So many prophets, so many religions have tried to forecast and predict when he is coming back, but no one knows. Only the Father knows. Now, since no one knows, then we ought to live a life that is ready for his return. You know, last night we came home, and uh, we didn't really tell our maid that we're coming home. It was kind of like a surprise. So, they don't know, and I also didn't know that I don't have a key to the house. And so, I was knocking, my girls were knocking at the window, we were there for about, I don't know how many minutes, until finally, our maids woke up and opened the door. She didn't expect us to come. That's why, you know, she decided to sleep early. And that's the, somehow what will happen if we are not ready for the coming of the king, we will not be ready in the way we conduct our lives. And really, when you talk about him coming, you know, sometimes this is the attitude. Relax. It's not the end of the world. And that's the attitude of many Christians. Sad to say, they're too relaxed. In fact, they become too worldly, and now the, the world is trying to become churchy. But I believe that even if it's not the end of the world, we need to be ready. 
We need to be preparing for that. You know, it's kind of like that day of trip or the travel. If this particular guy who gave you that ticket and he says, you know, June 2014 will be your actual trip. And today is just April. There's two months. Do you know what? That every single day, you're probably doing a countdown. 60 more days. 59 days and 12 hours. 20 days and 12 hours and 59 minutes. You know, you're probably doing a countdown because you are excited. You are anticipating for that coming trip. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear, what? A second time, not to deal with sin, but what? To save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Amen. Praise God. How many of you are going to be part of that batch? Amen. We're going to be eagerly waiting for Him. Not to deal with our sins anymore because Jesus Christ dealt with our sins on the cross. But we are to live a life that is worthy of His calling. King Jesus is definitely coming back. But He's coming back as what? Let's look at the three things that He's coming back as. First, He's coming back as faithful and true. And we see this in verse 11. It says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse. If you want to ride, go ride a white horse. And there's a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. Remember when Jesus, two weeks ago, we were talking about him coming into Jerusalem. What was he riding on? He was riding the donkey. He was a humble king riding in the donkey. That donkey signifies peace. If you look at donkeys in Israel, it somehow signifies peace. Because, you know, donkeys are really not a war animal. But when you say that you're riding a white horse, in this particular case, a white horse is an animal of war. And when Jesus comes back here on earth, He is actually declaring war upon the ultimate enemy of all. Satan himself, death itself, and sin. He's going to eradicate everything when that day comes. And He is called Faithful and true. Everybody say faithful and true. You know, how is he faithful and true? First, he is faithful and true to his word. And how many of you are great, thankful that God is faithful to his promises to you? You know, when he gives a promise, he's faithful to fulfill that promise. How many of you appreciate that? How many of you would appreciate that maybe from a business partner? That when a business partner would say, I'm going to deliver this and I'm going to do my end of the bargain, he's going to be faithful and true to his word, even without us you know, signing a contract or signing an agreement. My word is my bond. All we have to do is to shake our hands. How many of you would appreciate a partner like that? How many of you would appreciate a husband or a wife like that, faithful and true? How many of you are married here? Can you please raise your hand? How many of you are faithful and true? To your husband or your wife. Jesus is faithful and true to his word. When he says something, he acts upon it. In fact, he is not only somebody who gives the word. The Bible says he is the word of God. 
He is who He says He is. And He said, I am who I am. I am who you need me to be. Not only is He faithful and true to His word, but He's faithful and true to His bride, the church. And who is the church? Can you please raise your hand if you are the church? Therefore, you are the bride. And all the men say, Amen. It's kind of like, difficult for us to look at this picture. And the Bible always says that the church is the bride of Christ. Somehow we can't really relate to this. When I got married, I am the groom and I am not the bride. There's a difference, there's a difference in expectation. There's a difference in preparation. If you are the groom and the bride, there's a difference. And if you go back a few verses from the text we've read, Revelation 19, verse 7, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad, give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. And this is a picture of the church making herself ready for the coming of the Lamb, the Groom. Christ Himself, King Jesus, coming down for His bride to marry the bride, to marry the church. In verse 8, it says, Fine linen, bright and clean. How many of you were, how many of you are wives? Can you please raise your hand? You were formerly brides. Can you please raise your hand? Kinasel kayo? You were wearing white. It's a picture, bright and clean was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the, of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. That's why I believe that when he comes back as faithful and true, probably at this particular junction in the future, the wedding is already done. And he's coming back as faithful and true. And His church, the bride, is riding with Him. These are the armies that are riding with Him. He's not the only one riding on a white horse, but it says the army with Him, they're riding on a white horse. That is something to look forward to. In fact, if you look at the relationship between the church and Christ, really the, uh, the description that the Bible uses is always has always been... Uh, a marriage, a relationship between a husband and a wife. And we find this also in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. It says, Husband, love your wives. Okay, marami yung husband, so marami yung wives. We're not saying that husband, you love many wives. Only one wife, right? I'm clarifying the scripture. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That is the description of the, the love of Jesus for his bride. And that should be the way a husband should love his wife. And how is that? That he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Presenting or, and to present her to himself as a what? As a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Have you ever seen a bride walking down the aisle 
you know, the expectation of the people attending that wedding is she's going to be the most beautiful person there that night. Isn't it? But what if we see a bride walking down the aisle and she's dressed, she's, she's dressed with white robe, I mean a white gown. And you see ketchup all over the gown because she just ate hamburger. She just told her mom, I'm just going to do a last bite, mom. <coughs> she didn't even brush her teeth. She forgot to take off her rollers. And she's walking down the aisle. Do you think the husband would be excited to see this? Whoa, who's this? But no, we don't see a kind of a bride like that. Normally, when you look at bride, it's more or less like this. A bride that is beautiful, glorious, radiant, dressed in white. Probably one of the most expensive things that she invested in that wedding was the wedding gown. She made sure that when the spotlight is on her and when all eyes are upon her, that they would actually agree and say, She's the most beautiful person in this place. It doesn't really matter what she looks like, her face. But it's the way he car- she carries herself. She struts like a horse. <laughs> She's so full of confidence. And she knows that every eye is focused on her. Now, I, I cannot relate, okay? I cannot relate. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine. Because that's the way it is for a bride. A bride on her preparation for the big wedding day. I'm pretty sure that she would have read thousands or maybe hundreds of bridal magazines. She would have attended hundreds of maybe bridal fairs. She would have canvassed for her cake, for her flowers, for her venue, for, for everything else, the caterer. The videographer, you know, I, I realize that the video is separate now from the photo. You pay about 100000 for the video and about 100000 plus for the photo. Big investment. She's probably dieting, making sure that she will fit in that gown size zero <laughs> on the wedding day. There's an eager anticipation, a blessed hope that that day will come. When my fiancé, my groom, would look at me and say, Wow! Hmm. Gigil, you're mine. And I, you know, she'd probably want that for her groom to, to say that about her. You know, one of our former pastors here in Alabang, formerly our youth pastor, Pastor Mike Gayata, who also was the one who planted Santa Rosa and who is now the discipleship pastor of Makati. And many times, we would actually joke about him because, you know, he's been a long-time single. You know, many of his disciples in the youth have actually gotten married already. And he's still single. And finally, the big day arrived. He proposed to a beautiful woman from Makati Church. Iba talaga pag pastor eh. You look poggy. 
So when that big day came, you know, I was privileged to be one of the sponsors of that wedding. Pastor Mike was just so excited. This was Pastor Mike. This was actually the bridal march. She was, he was so excited to look at the bride. He stepped on a chair. And he said, you're mine! An eager anticipation of the person that is walking down the aisle. And this was a really nice wedding. It was held in Splendido Gardens in Tagaytay. What a favored day. And then the bride, together with, his, with her family, walked. Well, the bride was excited. I'm not sure about the dad. When, <laughs> when he saw Mike, who is this guy? <laughs> Why is he doing this? <laughs> but you see that, you know, they're, they just shared sweet glances. And even when he was opening the veil, you know, he was so excited. That is what we ought to have. The same excitement that when Jesus Christ would come one day as faithful and true, we're looking forward. Lord, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Do it now. Do it quick. Because we're looking forward to this rider of the horse whose name is faithful and true. Secondly, he's not only faithful and true, but he will come as a judge. Everybody say judge. How many of you are excited that he is a judge? Maybe not. But it says in verse 1, second part, with justice, he judges and makes war. What a picture. First picture, he comes out as faithful and true. Faithful and true to his word, faithful and true to his bride. Secondly, he's coming out as a judge. And who is this judge? For the longest time, I thought it was God the Father who's the judge. But yet, in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, it is Christ Jesus who's the judge. Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. The Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, will come back to judge the world. You know, for a believer, when you look at Jesus, He is the Lamb of God. But when the world would look at Jesus, they would not see Him as the Lamb. They would see Him as a judge. And in Matthew chapter 25, a description of the last days, it says, all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate. Everybody say separate. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Remember that? It's either you say, bah, or you say, meh. Which one are you? Everybody say, bah. My question is, are you a meh today? There's going to be a separation of the sheep, the righteous, the followers, the believers, and the goats. The unbelievers. It's going to be a dreadful day for one group and an exciting day for another group. Have you ever gone to court? Not a basketball court, by the way. A regional trial court. Have you ever received a court case? 
I mean, if you, have you, how many of you have had a chance to go to a court? Okay? Whether you're the one sitting there or maybe a witness or maybe a relative of the, you know, the one in trial, how many of you have had that experience? Please raise your hand. You know, going to a court, thank you so much, going to a courtroom is kind of tense because you don't know the decision of the judge. You know, you come there and you sit down and you pledge on the Bible and the one is asking, you know, do you pledge to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? And so, of course, you will say the truth. And guess what? If you are the one being accused, and even if you know that you are innocent, and God knows that you are innocent, guess what? You may try to say everything. I'm innocent. I'm not guilty. Guess what? The final decision is not going to come from you. Not from your attorney, but from the judge. Because when he puts down his gavel, blah, that's it. He will make a declaration, either guilty or not guilty. And guess what? When that day comes, I kind of know already what the decision of the judge will be for us. And this is the decision of the judge for us. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Has eternal life and he will not be what? Condemned. Amen. Tell the person beside you, you are not condemned. You will not be judged anymore. Well, you, well, you will be judged, but you will not be condemned. Okay? Because he has crossed over from death to life. When the judge would finally say, I will make a decision, and guess what? You are not guilty. Why? Because I gave my life for you. Because I am the Lamb of God who paid for your sins, who paid the price, so that you are no longer guilty of the crime that you have committed. Those who believe will have eternal life and will not be condemned. Yet in another, on another light, the other party, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for, the, for God's wrath when His what? Righteous judgment will be revealed. Who are we on that day? Are we the sheep? Or the goat? Because He will come as a judge for all. It says in verse 6, God will give to each person according to what He has done. For everybody, there's nothing that is hidden that will not be exposed. Everyone will be judged by God. Believers and unbelievers. The only difference is for the, for the unbelievers, the judgment is being condemned for punishment. But for the believers, the judgment is actually giving you a reward for the good things that you have done. Remember the picture when the white rider was riding with the army and they're wearing white linen? What was the white linen for? The righteous acts of the saints. And God will judge you or reward you according to what each of us have done. Third picture is he comes as a king. Everybody say king. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has his name 
written King of Kings and what? Lord of Lords. And this is exciting. I believe that we, when He comes on that day as King, you know, the world will be a different place. The Bible says in Isaiah, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. That will be the fulfillment, the culmination, the consummation of all His dominion and authority here on earth. Matthew 25, 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit, sit on His throne in heavenly glory. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, says, but, what a, but, but about the Son, He says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. And I mean, you know, bless the heart of our president. He said, at the beginning of his term, he said, you know, I want a daang matuwid. I want a straight path. He's trying to cleanse his government from all the corruption, but apparently, the more he cleans up, the more corruption there is. But when this king of kings comes, and when he finally gives his rulership and his dominion authority over all the nations, guess what? It says his righteousness, his being perfect, his being upright will be the scepter of his kingdom. I believe on that day, there's going to be no more corruption, no more pidaf, No more bribery, no more under-the-table thing, no more lies, no more conspiracies, because He will rule and reign in righteousness. A picture in the future is, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men. He's not just going to be a God who's far away in heaven, but He's going to stay with us. The dwelling of God is with men and He will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. I mean, in this day, how many of you will be excited for that? There's no more tears. Better than Johnson's advertisement, right? No more tears. Whatever problem you've ha- you have, no more tears. It's going to be a dawning of a new day. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Gone are the old things. Gone are the things that will give you pain. There's no more pain when that day comes. In verse 5, it says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Praise God. Come on out. He's making everything new. The old order of things is gone. All your problems, the way we know them, will no longer be there. There's no more debt. Praise God. There's no more sickness. Praise God. There's no more getting old. This is the ultimate anti-aging. It's gone. Because you will forever be the person that you ought to be in the resurrected body. And we will dwell with the King forever. You know, somehow we can't really relate with this because we don't have a kingdom here. We have a republic. 
There's a news now that President Obama, the most powerful man in the free world, is coming to Manila tomorrow to visit the president. And there are mixed feelings from the people. Some are eagerly anticipating his coming. Because maybe they're saying, wow, if he comes, maybe we can cut a deal for them, you know, with him to protect us against, you know, the foreigners who's going to claim the land that we have. But some are not really excited about his coming. There's a mixed review, mixed feelings. I'm not going to ask you which side you're on. Maybe some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. He's coming tomorrow. He's going to visit here for a day. Do a presidential visit with President Pinoy. Oh, that's the news. But when that day comes, when King Jesus finally comes, guess what? It's going to be an anticipated coming, especially among us who are the bride. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are the bride of Christ and you look beautiful in his eyes. Final message. I want to share my final point. King Jesus will return to reward the righteous and retribute the wicked. He will come to judge both the righteous and the wicked. And the question for us, which side are we in? Are we part of the righteous group? Are we part of those who are wicked and who don't know Him? If we are really expecting Him to come one day, how are we to anticipate? How are we to conduct our lives? In Titus chapter 2, the Apostle Paul write this to, wrote this to Titus. He said, To live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Everybody say self-control. How many of you have self-control? Working on it. How many of you are upright? By faith, how many of you have got the lives because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross? We live God the lives. We ought to conduct our lives that are honoring to Him. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our Lord, great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is how we need to conduct our lives every single day. Be self-controlled. Live an upright, godly life. Because you don't know when that day will come. That day will come as a surprise. There's no more announcement. You're not going to find it in social media. It's not going to be announced in Facebook. Jesus is coming tomorrow, 12 o'clock. It's not going to happen. He will just come like a thief in the night. When you least expect it. The picture of the Bible is, you know, people are like in the days of Noah. People are marrying. People are drinking. People are partying. Giving themselves to, to sin. And then that day will actually happen. In the twinkling of an eye, the second coming is going to be here. Now my question is, are we ready? Is the church ready and excited and in anticipation for the coming of that day? And may this be our words in Revelation chapter 22. This is the final verse in the Bible. He who testifies to this thing says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of God, the Lord Jesus, be with God's people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. 
We hope you were inspired by that message. For more podcasts, download the Victory Alabang app for Apple or Android devices. And for updates, do join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you and stay connected.